رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسوله الكريم وعلى آله وصحبه ومن استنى بسنتي ليوم الدين All praise is due to Allah and may Allah's peace and blessings be on his last prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and on all those who follow the path of righteousness until the last day We have entered since the past few months a new year according to the Hijraic calendar. And the issues of Hijra we have all read about. However, there are some lessons in the Hijra that I think we should reflect on and internalize. The Prophet Muhammad and his companions when they were in Mecca, their numbers were few, Muslims were scattered, prayer was done in secret, they used to study with the Prophet Muhammad in Darul Arqam in secret. They were under oppression. Fighting against the disbelievers was prohibited. And da'wah did not have a major effect on the society in that 13 years passed with the Prophet Muhammad calling people to Islam yet no more than 300 people accepted Islam in those 13 years. However, in those 13 years, Iman was built. Aqidah or faith was purified. And the Muslims learned the meaning of trust in Allah. Following that period, the Prophet Muhammad after being unsuccessful in gaining widespread support amongst the Meccans, he sought to spread the message of Islam to the neighboring peoples of Ta'if, the neighboring tribes that came during Hajj. He would go and meet them in their various places of gathering and present Islam to them. Alhamdulillah towards the end of those 13 years some people from Medina accepted Islam took Islam back to Medina and the religion began to spread the Prophet Muhammad sent Mus'ab ibn Umair there as a teacher he lived amongst them and continued to spread the message of Islam and Islam continued to grow until it reached, reached a state where the people of Medina begged the Prophet Muhammad to come to emigrate to be amongst them. However, the Prophet Muhammad did not make that step until Allah had decreed that it was time to make the step. And we know from the stories of the biography of the Prophet Muhammad 
how the people of Mecca had tried to dissuade him to stop him from spreading the message and how in the end they conspired to kill him and that Allah opened a way for him to leave and to get safely to Medina in spite of the best plans which were laid by the Meccans when he came to Medina he built first and foremost a masjid in Kuba on the outskirts of Medina and then he came into the center of the city he chose a spot which was a spot where his camel knelt because he had been informed by Allah that the camel would be guided to the most appropriate spot and this spot was chosen for the building of the masjid Muslims brought their homes around that spot and Islam became focused in Medina Muslims were now able to pray openly in places of prayer fighting now became prescribed for them we found more than 300 people accepting Islam at one instant a representative of a tribe would come to the Prophet Muhammad and take the bay'ah give the oath of allegiance to him on behalf of himself as well as his whole tribe the brotherhood was institutionalized Prophet Muhammad mixed the muhajireen those who made the hijra to Medina with the Ansar those who were in Medina and from that base the Prophet Muhammad became the head of state the various laws which were necessary for building a state running a state were revealed and all of the major injunctions of Islam became compulsory during this period at this time Hijra or emigration to Medina became wajib when Medina became the focal point of the Prophet Muhammad Hijra to that point became wajib compulsory on every Muslim one who did not make Hijra was considered to be in a state of sin and the Prophet Muhammad had said in one tradition that whoever does not make the Hijra would not have the right to my intercession on the day of judgment this requirement continued until the victory over Mecca eight years after the Hijra at that time the Prophet Muhammad was reported by Ibn Abbas to have said Yawmul Fathi Fathu Makkah the day of victory is the victory over Mecca La Hijrata Walakin Jihadun Waniyya following that there was no more Hijra compulsory to Medina but instead 
the jihad remained a requirement and righteous intention was ordained for all. This is a summary of the process of Hijra in the time of the Prophet Muhammad And we have to consider, does this have any special significance to us, to Muslims here in North America, here in New York? Is the Hijra only to be read as factual information, pieces of information that we learn, we teach our children? Has it no relevance to our day-to-day life? Especially considering that Allah has said in the Qur'an, لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةً حَسَنًا There is for you in the Messenger of Allah the best of examples. His way, His Sunnah, this is the best way. Allah has told us that. So it must mean that in that Hijra there has to be some relevance, some importance to the solution, to finding the solution to the problems which face Muslims in our time. And what we find in another tradition of the Prophet Muhammad reported by Muawiyah, he said that the Prophet Muhammad had said, لا تنقطع الهجرة حتى تنقطع التوبة The Hijra will not cease to be compulsory until toba or repentance is no longer accepted there is an end to repentance wala tanqati'u tawbatu hatta tatlu'a ash-shamsu min maghribiha and toba will continue to be accepted by Allah until the sun rises in its place of setting. Until the sun rises in its place of setting. We know that the rising of the sun in the west is one of the major signs of the last day. That's the end of the world coming. Shortly thereafter. So this statement of the Prophet Muhammad which is authentic, informs us that Hijra continues to be a requirement on Muslims until the sign of the last hour has come. When repentance will no longer be accepted and the world comes to an end. So Hijra remains compulsory. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed certain verses in the Quran specifically in Surah An-Nisa the fourth chapter which were directed to the people in the time of the Prophet Muhammad who did not make hijrah who did not focus their efforts along with the Muslims in Medina 
to build that strong base from which Islam would be established and from which it would be spread to the world. However, these verses have relevance to us today because they speak specifically about the Hijra and about those who find themselves in a state of oppression in a state of sin what is their case before Allah Allah says إِنَّ الَّذِينَ تَوَفَّاهُمُ الْمَلَائِكَةُ ظَالِمِي أَنفُسِهِمْ قَالُوا فِيمَ كُنْتُمْ قَالُوا كُنَّا مُسْتَدْعَفِينَ فِي الْأَرْضِ قَالُوا أَلَمْ تَكُنْ أَرْضُ اللَّهِ وَاسِعَةً فَتُهَاجِرُوا فِيهَا فَأُولَئِكَ مَأْوَاهُمْ جَهَنَّمْ وَسَاءَتْ مَسِيرًا When the angels take the souls of those who die in sin, die in sin against themselves, they say, In what plight were you? They reply, We were weak and oppressed in the earth. They say, Was Allah's earth not spacious enough for you to emigrate, to make hijrah? Those will find their abode in hell. What an evil refuge. When the angel of death comes and the soul is taken in a state of oppression against itself. Oppression against itself means in a state of sin. Allah uses this reference, oppression against oneself, to inform us that when we sin we are in fact oppressing ourselves we are in fact oppressing ourselves even though our sin may involve hurting another brother or sister or child whatever still the greatest harm which will come from that sinful act will be against us on the day of judgment so in fact we have harmed ourselves. The little harm that we may do to others in this life is nothing incomparable to the resultant harm which will come on us on the day of judgment. So we harm ourselves. We oppress ourselves when we disobey Allah. That's the bottom line. Allah says that those who die in that state of sin wherein they may be involved for example in riba in interest something which Allah and His Messenger have declared war against those who refuse to give up riba interest dealings in interest which should tell us that who are we? Do we not fear Allah? Do we think that we can stand up in battle against Allah and His Messenger? Of course not. This declaration is a warning that we may avoid interest dealings. Interest which the Prophet Muhammad had described as having umpteen branches 
the simplest of which 0.0001% paid or received is equivalent to a man having sexual relations with his mother this is an authentic tradition of the Prophet Muhammad it is not saying that one who deals in interest is the same as one who has sex with his mother no because if one has sex with one's mother and the Islamic State finds that person catches him he is executed whereas in the case of a person taking riba or giving interest he's not executed there's no specific punishment for him in this life so it's not saying that these two things are equal what it is saying is that the same reaction that you have when somebody would suggest to you to have sexual relations with your mother they call you as they use in this society MF you so and so when somebody is called that that is the greatest indignity that can be heaped upon him he will jump up and kill those around him the very suggestion the same feelings that he feels there those same feelings he should also feel when somebody suggests to him to take some interest that's what the Prophet ﷺ is showing us the same revulsion that we should have to the thought of having sexual relations with our mother we should have the, the thought of giving interest or receiving it we should be repulsed it should be something fearful to us something horrible to us and if we don't feel that then it means there is something wrong with our faith it means that our faith is not correct it means that we do not fear Allah this is the message yet we find ourselves many of us in interest or we find ourselves dealing in business transactions which are which involve cheating and deception etc we even find ourselves you know some brothers may even go and rob banks and end up in jail and everybody is using the excuse that this place is oppressive it is not the abode of Islam and as such we are obliged to do these things which are prohibited however when one dies in that state the angels will ask what was your situation such a soul will reply we were weak and oppressed in the land the angels will say to them wasn't Allah's earth not wide that you could make hijrah go somewhere else find another place where you are not obliged to do these things that's the answer because those who are caught in that state Allah has said they will find their abode in hell means this is serious the hijrah 
is something very serious. For those who can and do not make it and stay in a state of oppression, Allah has promised them hell. This is extremely serious. Of course, there are those who can't. Truly. And Allah takes that into account, saying, except those who are really oppressed, men, women, and children, who have no means in their power, nor can they find a way of escape. For them there is hope that Allah will forgive them. For Allah blots out sins and is oft forgiving. However, after pointing that out, Allah also points out the reward for those who strive. He who forsakes his home, who makes hijrah, in the cause of Allah, finds in the earth many places of refuge and abundance. This is Allah's promise. If we forsake our homes, going out in the earth, in the path of Allah, to find a place of hijrah, of emigration, Allah will show us many places of refuge and He will give us an abundance from Him. This is Allah's promise. If we don't believe that promise, then we don't believe in Allah. Because to believe in Allah is to believe in His promise. And he further says, should he die during this hijrah for Allah and His Messenger, his reward becomes due and sure with Allah. Paradise is guaranteed for him. And Allah is oft forgiving, most merciful. This is Allah's promise. Promise of paradise for those who make this ultimate sacrifice, giving up their homes in centers of oppression and leaving and going to another location where they can practice Islam, even if they do not succeed in establishing Islam elsewhere, but die in the effort to do so. Allah promises them paradise. This is Allah's promise. And either we want paradise or we just don't care. That's what we have to look at. Do we want paradise or we just don't care? It is required on each and every one of us to seriously make efforts to ensure for our families and our children that they will be able to grow up to live lives as Allah wants them to live not in a state of oppression where the women are threatened where schooling is not available for the children where they are growing up and leaving Islam in droves 
some years back, when I first came into Islam, myself and other new Muslims, we used to look around at the immigrant brothers. Brothers who had come across from Egypt, Pakistan, Palestine, etc. And we would see their children because they had been there for a while. We saw their children marrying non-Muslims, leaving Islam. And we say, look at these people. They're not sincere about Islam. They're not true Muslims. That's what we used to say. And we felt, yeah, this is obvious example. Look at their children. But 10, 15 years have passed. And now, we are looking around and seeing our children do the same thing. No matter how hard we try and roll with them, they're still leaving Islam in droves. Very few children, probably no more than 10%, actually grow up and graduate from high school or from college and remain Muslims through that whole process. Very few. You could count them on the tips of your fingers. So now we are faced with the same dilemma. It wasn't a case of the immigrant Muslims being not serious about Islam because the same thing has happened to us and we feel that we're serious about Islam. It means then that the circumstance under which we are living is not conducive to the development of Islam as a complete way of life. Not Islam as a ritual because we come and we make the rituals. We make salah, we learn some Arabic, we recite in our prayers. We can tra train a chimpanzee to go through these same movements. And we can train a parrot to say the same things. What Allah wants from us is not the actions of a chimpanzee and the words of a parrot. He wants from us a living Islam which comes from the depths of our souls. A living Islam which affects our whole character. Which transforms us from the attitudes of ignorance, of the ignorant society around us into the Islamic character and attitude. This is what Allah wants from us. And we cannot do it as we are doing it today. Because brothers come together in the masjid on Jummah, Fridays, like Christians come together on Sundays. This is when they congregate, generally. The real brotherhood and sisterhood, which is the basis for building the community, is not there. Because there is no sacrifice involved here. Until people sacrifice together for a goal, 
they will not appreciate their brothers and their sisters in Islam. This is the reality. And the hijra is in front of us. The hijra can take a number of different forms. The hijra doesn't mean each and every person who prays here in Masjid Taqwa will now pack his bags and head for Saudi Arabia. No. Because Saudi Arabia will not allow you to make hijra there. And there's no point asking, why won't Saudi Arabia allow us to make hijra there? Because they won't. And Allah will not ask us, why didn't Saudi Arabia allow us to make hijra there? He'll ask us, why didn't we make hijra? So it means that we have to find elsewhere. The hijra could be within a city. Efforts were made in the past as Islam began to spread here. And some efforts are being made today. Brothers, families trying to buy into a particular area of the city and to develop institutions in those areas. But this effort has to be a universal effort, an effort involving all the people. And if people find that the economics are too great for them to do so, then there are places, other places perhaps in the state. There are other towns or whatever in the state. Perhaps there is a place in another state. And we should try to find some place in another state. And if there is no place in another state, then we need to look outside of the state to other countries. We take it gradually. We look at the facts as they are. The cost of transportation, the cost of land, you know, the cost to build, the job opportunities, all of the various factors which are necessary for the building of a community. We have a clear picture of these factors and then we start to look. We look locally, regionally, internationally until we find the spot which has opportunities that would allow such a movement such a community to develop that is the requirement on us and we have to take it seriously this is not something which we can hear and walk away from. This is something that we will be held accountable about on the day of judgment. Every child, every Muslim child in school that is introduced to crack, every Muslim girl deflowered, every Muslim family which falls apart every Muslim woman who we 
advised to cover herself according to the laws of Islam and who in the time of delivering or her baby or getting checked has to take off her clothes in front of other than her husband all of these are situations that we as a community are responsible for we have what is known as Sard Kifaya a requirement which is on the community as a whole like Janaza if a person dies it is required that the community bury that person and pray for him if a body amongst them does so then it removes the sin from the remainder similarly every component which is necessary for the development of a Muslim community which is missing causing Muslims to be involved in various sins to be corrupted to be destroyed the burden of this falls on the shoulders of the Muslim community as a whole and only those who have striven and who continue to strive to change that situation will be absolved from the burden of that sin The Prophet Muhammad had said Al-Muslim man salim al-Muslimuna min lisanihi wa yadi The Muslim is one whom the Muslims are safe from his tongue and his hand Wal-Muhajir man hajara ma naha Allahu anhu and the muhajir, the one who makes hijrah in the complete sense is the one who leaves what Allah has prohibited so the hijrah when we physically leave an oppressive environment wherein we are caused to sin we are leaving that sin behind us this process is only complete if we spiritually decide to leave the sins that we commit daily we have to internalize the hijra we have to decide to abandon what Allah has prohibited that aspect of the hijra is primary is necessary for the physical hijra to be complete and to be successful not successful in the sense that we manage to build an Islamic state which you know ends up you know establishing Islam across the world no but successful in the sense that we had done our utmost because the results of our actions are with Allah we should not focusing on what is going to happen you know in the past people tried to do this and this happened and that happened they were ripped off and all these other things so people use these negativities as excuses not to attempt what is required of them the end results are not in our hands it is what is in our hands is to strive is to make the effort ourselves and 
saw that this is not just a theoretical presentation Allah has blessed me with the opportunity to travel both in the United States in Central South America and in the Caribbean the islands and throughout my travels I have kept an eye open for a point of hijrah there are a number of different attempts that are being made in the country here I've visited some I've invested in some because my desire is to make the hijrah also I know you, some of you may wonder wow, you've been over in Saudi Arabia for the last 16 years we thought you made hijrah there no, I told you it's not possible to make hijrah there I would like to Mecca, Medina are beautiful places to live but you as a non-Saudi Arabian cannot buy land there you cannot own land there so therefore you can't make Hitra so that's only a temporary stopping off point I went there for knowledge friend. Alhamdulillah I found in a far off place not really too far off which some of you or many of you probably have never heard of what appears to me to be a classical beautiful opportunity to focus for Hijra for those people who have a desire to make that Hijra and who do not see in the existing circumstances here that opportunity the place I found is a country which used to be known as British Honduras it is now known as Belize it has borders with Mexico and you can drive there from here it's about an hour and a half flight from Miami and a round trip ticket there costs about $500 this country is just being opened up now for development the immigration laws are very simple and the Muslim community there is in a unique position it is small maybe only about 25 families but the government has given them a blank check virtually in terms of land they were given a number of acres of land in the city on which they built a school, a masjid an Islamic school the government helped them with funds in the building and pays the salaries of the teachers the majority of the students in the school are non-Muslims 200 kids most of them are non-Muslims however the principal studied in Saudi Arabia he teaches Islamic studies to all the levels of the school it goes up presently to grade 6 and they intend to go on to grade 8 in the coming year and the government has no objection 
The parents have no objection. Some of the children every year accept Islam. Dawah, the opportunities for Dawah are wide open. At the same time, the government gave the community there 800 acres of land an hour and a half drive from the main city Belize 800 acres of land which the community has in turn now made available to Muslims who want to invest because the community is small they don't have neither the manpower nor the economics to really develop that land because if they develop the land then there are thousands of adjoining acres which will be available to them the Mormons are already there in the center of Belize there are thousands of acres which they are cultivating and producing dairy products etc there is also a group it's the Amish or one of these type of groups that they are there also they have been given large amounts of land for development the condition is development and this land that they have been given they have in turn the Muslim community has offered it to serious Muslims who are prepared to work for Islam and the development of Islam in that area they have offered it at $25 per acre this is something I found nowhere else in my travels furthermore on investigation I found there that it is possible and this is the norm to build a three bedroom brick cement house for $15,000 this I hardly found anywhere else so the economic means for one to build a home there is in our hands what it may mean for example we pay on the average maybe ten thousand dollars a year in rent if two families decide that they want to make that hijra then those two families decide that they're going to live together for a year and save some money or two years until they raise enough to do both at the same time sure it will be difficult I mean we can hardly get along together living apart as it is however those who are really committed to the idea if they keep that goal in mind and in living together they resolve their problems according to the Quran and Sunnah then there will come out of it besides the economic benefits a brotherhood a appreciation for sacrifice that perhaps we would not realize under other circumstances so the economic means are there in our hands and this is a project that a number of us are looking into seriously the brother here who is the coordinator and the screener meaning that there has got to be some kind of screening process because 
we don't want to carry the corruption here from here down there. They have corruption down there. But we have no end of corruption up here. In the ranks of the Muslims. So we don't want to carry that corruption down there. So we have something of a screening process. And those who are known to be serious and righteous, they may contact a brother who is part of the administration of this masjid. His name is Sayyid Abdul Mumit. And they can coordinate with him and with others in other parts of the country who are now seriously investigating this possibility. So, I'm not saying that the answer is Belize. I'm presenting this as a possibility. And this is not a personal opinion on my part in the sense that I am from Belize and I'm trying to get everybody to come back with me to Belize because I'm not. I am, as you are, a Muslim to whom the whole earth belongs. And wherever we can establish Islam, we can practice Islam, that's where we should be. However, as I said earlier, this hijra which I am proposing, which I am reminding you is compulsory on you that you should reflect on it. Read the verses, verse 97 to 100 in Surah An-Nisa, the fourth chapter of the Quran. Read it. Reflect on it. And let us try to do something for the sake of Allah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa If there are any questions that you would like to ask concerning the concept of hijra or hijra in practice in our region or outside of our region, please uh, raise your hands, brothers, and we can entertain the questions and the sisters can write something on paper and send it to us. Belize. Belize, as I said, was formerly British Honduras. It is north of Honduras. You know, Honduras where you have all this fighting and stuff. In British Honduras, there is no fighting. The defense of the country is handled by the British. Their change of governments have been according to election. There's no you know, violent overthrows and guerrilla groups in the jungles and this kind of thing. No, it's not an island. It's on the mainland. You, you drive from it through Mexico into Texas, into California. You know, when you go back home, have a look at the map. You know, look at the encyclopedia. They'll give you some information about the country. The population there is about 200,000. The, the main language of the country is English, so it doesn't mean you have to go down and learn Spanish now. Right? Uh, Spanish is like the second language. The people, you know, are a mixture. 
if you went down there any of us here would not look strange I mean there are people looking like all of us uh, the the opportunities for developing businesses are vast the development of the land they have four main crops bananas, plantains, coconuts and citrus mainly oranges now the government exports these so whatever you can grow the government will buy so you don't have to go in the market then have to deal with the selling they have a board which will buy everything that you produce they also you know have um, they, they have a, 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 an opportunity in terms of lumber which is great which is not being exploited at all when the people clear the land there they set trees you know of, of teak you know mahogany they set these trees on fire and then they push them over with bulldozers the Mormons they're a bit smarter right they went inside they bought some old truck engines and hooked it up and made a saw so they would cut the trees down saw them and make the wood produce the wood to build their homes so in clearing those 800 acres you would be also providing lumber for building the homes if you wanted to build your home out of wood or partially out of wood whatever and or the wood can be sold and what I'm actually suggesting there is a situation not where we're going all to head out onto the land because I went there I looked at the situation beautiful area uh, about a hundred yards away there's a running river which is coming off the mountain with you know water pure you can drink it you know spring water very close by I mean the place looks like you know sort of like a paradise kind of jungle paradise kind of situation with a road running right through the properties and what happens is that as I've suggested to them there that they develop the land in the city that they've been given because that area of land that they've been given it, if they develop it they will be given other areas of land adjoining there's, because they're in sort of a subdivision which is just developing so there's a lot of land which belongs to the government and uh, there they have so much land really that if you as a Belizean build a home on a piece of government land then they can't take that away from you you just go and you make arrangements and, and they give you that piece of land that's how it is if it's government land so the opportunity there is there to build a community and expand it you know so homes for those of us who would make the move from here down there would not be directly to the country area but to the city homes would be built there that would be the base business would be dealt with there the country would then be the agricultural uh, farm would then be for producing income it would provide jobs for the local Muslims who have accepted and those who accept Islam and will accept Islam who are able to work the land and you know uh, and willing to, to live out there and there are a number of them I talk to them you know who are ready you know if the means were provided that's how it would be you know organized that's the general picture of how it would be organized now the details you know the detailed breakdown of how much it costs to clear 
an acre of land or a hundred acres of land and how much it costs to plant it, how much it costs to maintain the land because it's very fertile, you don't even have to water the place. You know, you don't have to think about watering at all. It's very fertile. You might fact, what you have to think about is keeping the grass from growing, overgrowing it. So you have to maintain it and then picking and uh, transportation. They will, I have asked the, the brothers down there to prepare you know, detailed breakdown of you know, what those figures involve so a person may have an idea of what kind of profits they may earn from that type of investment. And you don't have to be a Belizean. You see, they're, they have, they're incorporated as a Muslim body that has the right to have members who are non-Belizeans who live overseas. You know? So it's not even a requirement even that you actually live there. But it's preferable that you, know, you, are, you have those plans in mind. But even if you decided you didn't want to live there, or you just would like to develop the land, you know, you'd like to earn, invest your monies and, and earn some income, it can be done with you being here. You know, so even those options exist. Alaikum salam. Well, this has to be, as I said, coordinated. Uh, our brother Sayyid is, is the uh, coordinator for this area here. And um, there are other brothers in Jersey who are also prepared. They are gathering. They will be having meetings and gathering the brothers who are serious about it. And then choosing some brothers from various fields. You know, brothers who are into architecture, into economics, into you know, various uh, industrial fields. And that group of brothers, along with brothers from here in similar fields, would then go down and make a more in-depth analysis because as I said, I'm, I'm giving you what I got from five days stay there you know I tried to see and look and to question as much as I could but it requires at the same time further investigation so that serious plans can be laid so I would say that there within a month's time within a month's time or at most two months a trip could be made down there contact will be made with the brothers there they will send this information that I've asked them to send to me in Saudi Arabia they will send it here also so you know all of the facts that can be gathered without going can be done here first and then uh, a tour could be arranged with $500 round trip this is if you as an individual go and make it but if you as a group five people you know, they will give further reductions. So it's quite possible for it to be substantially less than 500. Well, this is something, I mean, I would suggest to you to uh, meet with Brother Sayyid and that can be coordinated because if some, a circumstance like this where you have an opportunity uh, and you're a brother in good standing the channels can be open for you I'm sure it can be worked out inshallah two to one
the fishery, they are exporting shrimp and some other, you know, crustaceans. I'm not sure of the details, whether, you know, it involves lobster and other things like that, but the shrimp I'm positive about. And they export also coral. You know, there's some very expensive coral that, that they're famous for it. Black and, and, and red coral. So, this is some of the products. I don't think that the full potential of the fishing is being exploited at all. Because I said, the numbers are small. You know, and they're just opening up. They just built a new capital, you know, in the, in the center of the country, Belmopan. They just finished recently, a few years ago, an international airport just outside of Belize City. So, they're just really in the process of now getting up on their feet and, you know, and developing themselves. And so that's why the door is wide open. In terms of the minimum wage... I did not, uh, I don't have that information. That's something that you may be able to get over the telephone. You know, the brother who is in contact with our contact down there, that information can be gotten over the telephone. The uh, community is limiting it in the sense that they want to see exploitation of the land. I mean, they don't want, you know, a person just buying up all the land and sitting back and say, I got the land. You know, they want to see exploitation of land. So if you buy 100 acres, you know, and you work that 100 acres, they'll give you 100 more. You work that 100 more, they'll give you 100 more. You know, and it doesn't have to be a group of brothers. If one individual brother has that kind of means to go ahead and do that, they're ready. Because what you will be doing is not only benefiting yourself economically, it will be proving to the government that the Muslims are responsible they are bringing investment into the country it will be providing jobs for the brothers who are down there you know who are coming into Islam or need work etc so the benefit is so great that it's not limited to say a group venture it could even be done on an individual scale for those who have the means no I don't know I don't know the American government I don't know because they don't have an American embassy down there right uh, you don't need uh, a visa to go into the country right um, some other groups are, you know, from America are going down there like the Baha'is you know and um Peace Corps types and of things. So I would imagine that some influence is there, you know. But the British are the you know the ones who who really were controlling the country. So it's more similar to the British West Indian Islands, you know, type of things. Thank you,